0: My guest this week is, of course, Mr. Mark Feltzman. <laughs> Thank you,
1: Miles. Thank you, everybody.
0: Thanks Thank for you. having me. Thank you, Peter. Uh, we were just talking outside a bit, and it's like mm-hmm. I was curious about your, your, a certain part of your history, but there's so much more to it that I was unaware un, un, of. Uh, just a couple questions to give people some kind of background. Uh, you started doing this in Detroit.
1: Yeah. I, started, I was born and raised in Detroit. I started uh, in a group called the Detroit Times Theater Company where I met my wife uh, and uh, Timmy Meadows and Richard Label and um, there was uh, some uh, pretty talented group of folks. Uh.
0: Yes, that, that is a talented group of folks. Yeah. And then you wind mm-hmm. up coming <laughs> from Chicago mm-hmm. and you, do you immediately get involved in Second City? Well, uh,
1: Michael Gelman... Uh, came to Detroit, well first I read Del Close's name in the newspaper, Detroit News, and I cleaned out my bank account when I took his workshop, uh, because he said he was the uh, acting coach for the Not Ready for Primetime Players. Right. And this guy, Jonathan him, who was uh, created the Detroit Times Theater Company. So I did that workshop, and then I was really just hooked from that point forward. I'd done some act, commercial acting and stuff like that. And then Michael Gelman came to Detroit to do a workshop, and uh, we kept in touch, and he called me one day and said, what are you still doing in Detroit? You're going to die there. And uh, right <laughs> sort of got me uh, a little curious. So I, what I did is I literally commuted from Chicago to Detroit for his workshops on Sunday for about three weeks. Wait whoa, then, wait yeah, a minute.
0: For, for those unfamiliar, I mean, most people, just, you see a map, you know what? That's like a nine-hour drive. It's five hours. All right, <laughs> if, if you're but, moving. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was fucking moving, I'll tell you
0: that. All right, so you hear that, and you said, all right, I, I got to do something, so I'm going to go down to Chicago.
1: So, yeah, I went to Chicago, and then I, after three weeks, I was like, this is ridiculous, so I moved to Chicago, January 5th,
0: 1985. All right, uh, and do, are you, then you get directly involved with Second City?
1: Uh, then I, no, not with Second City, I got... Uh, uh, into Dell's workshops, which are Cross Currents. And that's where Baron's Barracudas was born out of.
0: Right. Okay. So, oh, so you were working with Dell before you got involved with Second City?
1: Yes. Yeah. All right. I, I started with Dell uh, in Chicago in January, and then I got hired by Second City in August. So All right. It was eight months after I got there, I was in Second City.
0: And you, I know you. Did, you did a bunch of things. at Second City. You wound up at Second City Northwest. You taught there. You did the ETC stage for a bunch of reviews. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, you were on the main stage for uh, for a minute. For, for I a never minute.
1: wrote. Yeah, I replaced Farley, and then I went and moved and then, out here. And then you
0: came out here. All right. Mm-hmm. I I actually wasn't extremely curious about all of that because I wanted to get back to fucking Baron's Barracudas. Right on. Because as an improviser, we look at Baron's Barracudas like, well, that was that was the first team, yeah. and it wasn't just like. Like the first team, like yeah, and those guys sucked. It's like that was like a powerhouse team.
1: It was pretty wild. It was pretty crazy. We were. It was a very fortunate time to be in Chicago in the mid eighties because there was a huge theater boom, which I wasn't aware of at the time. Uh, somebody created a Facebook page called Chicago nineteen eighty five to nineteen ninety five, and you can learn a lot on that page. Uh, but there was um, these those workshops and. Um, it was a It was a really amazing time. Adele was just at in his prime, and we were eating it up and uh, we used to breathe, eat, and sleep improv day and night for seven days a week
0: If you could you know describe some of those early shows Where were they uh, they were there? at cross
1: currents um, they were it was uh It was really exciting because everybody in town, including all the second city folks uh, were flocking over to see what we were doing. Right. Uh, it was kind of like the buzz around town. And, uh, we were getting covered by a lot of press. And of course, Sharner was responsible for a lot of right. uh, getting attention for us. And, uh, the shows were just, just really exciting. Well, the workshops were even more exciting. Dell would give these lectures before we started, uh, doing workshops every time. And, uh, those were pro, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. Nobody ever recorded those because that was some of the most educational shit you'll ever hear in your life right and it was just about his life and you know stuff when he because he was busy acting himself and doing some movies and television and uh doing um hamlet bob falls hamlet which he played polonius was uh just one of the most thrilling things i'd ever seen on stage
0: it's funny it's it's one of those impossible things to describe to someone who hasn't gone through it what it's like to listen to Dell. yeah uh because like like I'm a nuts and bolts guy in part, right? And so I explain things in in a very formal way. Like Dell was not that at all. And I I could never do, I've I've tried to say it in in different ways, but just like you were saying, he would talk about his life, right? And just how he perceived the world. Uh, And always in there, there was some great lesson. Yeah. And it's like, and he just did that just being him. Yeah. uh, Because he was quite the character. Uh, he was really intense. It yeah, was
1: really. I mean, he, he and he if he if he patted you on the back, it was great. If he gave you a compliment, it was great. But when he fucking ripped you a new asshole in front of everybody, those were the those were the best times, really, because you learned more from that than you'll ever learn from anybody in your entire life. And you go home with your tail between your legs, and you come back as a fucking powerhouse, like they say. The bigger the breakdown, the bigger the breakthrough. Right. And he knew how to fucking break you down. But he also did it in a way that would allow you to not only learn from it but just grow, like nobody's business. Yeah, he, and
0: I would say this is a small example of that. Uh, the first scene I ever did with Del, he just he just he just ripped me apart. Yeah, right? I, I I did a bad scene, but he laid into me. But at the end of it, he gave me the opportunity to do the scene again right away with the sim- with a simple note right. that gave him what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I, that's how I, I relate to what you're saying. Yeah, he would just, I mean, he wasn't kind.
1: No. He, he, oh, I could he, tell you stories about him not being, I mean, my parents, I, oh, I wasn't. Oh, I was, please do. I wasn't in Second City. So my parents came to visit from Detroit and they, I invited them to come to the workshop. And there was this other guy called, we called him Bel- Buckle Larry because he was bigger than I was. And my parents were morbidly obese. So they walk in and and Dell in front of everybody just goes, "Look, uh, Mark's parents are fatter than Larry's parents. Wow, look at that." And they're standing right there. <laughs> I mean, it's not like they, you know, he was trying to hide anything. Right? And he, you know, he and you know, uh adults would come up with their children and ask Dell advice and he would say things like, "Have them do as many drugs as possible." You know, it's like they're expecting them there's one story where he was in, and this is the De- a Detroit story where he walked up to a couple in the airport who had an infant in the, he hated kids, by the way, if you didn't know that. He's had an infant in a stroller and he looked at the child and he looked back up at the parents and they're smiling, wait for him to say something. He looks back down at the kid and just goes,
0: <laughs> and walks away. <laughs> he pre- you know, <laughs> he pretended to shoot him with and, a gun. Yeah.
1: And, and, and that's just—he was kind of a shock guy, you know. It's—it's it's interesting because it the guru, the book, the guru, uh, explains all the myths, and then Howard Johnson's book, the funniest one in the room, kind of debunks a lot of those myths. Right. You know, like he saw his dad kill himself by drinking battery acid. He would tell that story forever, and it's not true. But, right. You know, there's stuff like that that he would perpetuate these myths that were just
0: unbelievable. I heard a story in Chicago that I'm pretty sure was. True, but I mean, maybe I'll test it. Dell was at the beach, right? And I think I, I remember hearing this like it had just happened. Uh, but who knows? Dell was at the beach wearing shorts, which he seldom did mm-hmm. because, you know, Dell was a recovering heroin addict. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he just got track marks all over his legs. And uh, some little girl came up to him and just said, oh, you know, what's that on your legs? Uh, and Dell, without missing a beat, just goes, you know, looks down and goes, well, I used to shoot heroin. Uh, and I ran out of vain. And he starts explaining to her yeah. why his track marks You're, all, you know, meanwhile <laughs> her mother is rushing up. Yeah. You know, Get away from that man.
1: Uh, he, Well, there was an article they did on us in the Chicago Sun-Times, I think it was, that said, or the Tribune, one or the other. Uh, it said, Dale, Dale Close wore his track marks like badges of honor. And he wore a short sleeve white shirt, you know, just a white T-shirt like you have on, and his arms looked like carpeting. They just—they right. were just torn up. And I remember him sitting on my couch. We were smoking hash together, and he told me the only reason Belushi died—and he didn't—is because Belushi had more money. Oh,
0: you know? uh, yeah. No, I'm just thinking, like if I—I I think probably a lot of us have thought this. You know, if, if I won the lottery when I was 20, I'd be dead. <laughs> uh, I think that's just probably the case. Uh, yeah, I think that speaks to what you're talking about. Well, I yeah, think he yeah. had the money and he had the habit.
1: Yeah, I think it's true of a lot of us uh, who were lucky to be alive. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so back to Baron's Barracudas. I'm yes. sorry. This is that, that's a huge, a huge well, I remember, team name out there. Who were the members? If, if you can remember them all, I know sometimes
1: Howard it's Johnson, Kim Howard Johnson, Joel Murray, Dave Pasquese, uh Chris Barnes, Terry Gallagher, Honor Finnegan, um, myself and I'm missing one person. I think it was eight or nine of us. Past Dave Pasquazi, Didn't I say him?
0: Uh, um, did, did you? Oh, you did. I
1: uh, I didn't hear it. Yeah. I, mean, I think there was nine. I think there was nine. That's all I can remember at the moment. Well, there's no why. talent in that crew. No. <laughs> yeah, none. That's, that's I wonder different. what happened to all yeah, of them.
0: All, n- none of those people ever were heard from again.
1: Remember there was one really exciting workshop we did where Sidney Pollack, was working on a movie and he brought uh bill murray brian doyle murray uh bud court uh and a few other to do this and it was baron's barracudas and all these people and we did this workshop together and it was just like one of the most thrilling moments of my life at that time it was just like unbelievable
0: you're talking about the mid-80s yeah snl is probably peaking yep uh and that's around the time. I don't know how fast did Murray get there. He got there by the late seventies, didn't he?
1: He replaced Chevy Chase,
0: uh, so that's I believe. Late, late seven. That, that's late seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. was Wasn't it? It Murray? was
1: early. Yeah, it was. I well, thought
0: seventy six was the original.
1: Seventy five, it started, and then I think Chevy left like seventy six, seventy seven, and Billy came in.
0: That's a good trade. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> Sorry, Mister Chase, but that is a good fuck trade.
1: That was a good trade. Uh, well, I remember Paul Schaefer once said a roast for Chevy Chase, and I can tell you what happened to Chevy Chase's career in five grams.
0: What, what was that? <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm just like I'm just, it's sort of just like anything else from back then, man. Because because again, you guys were win playing win at the. It's, I mean, he, he, one, I recognize every name he just he just said. Uh, and it's it's like wow, and I think it's like they probably had some great big play. No, you guys were playing out of the back of sh- like shitty bars, right? It was yeah. That was back when it was just a sort of a traveling ragtab ragtag sort of operation, uh, well, except it was with those fucking people.
1: Well, it's true, and and what I've learned, you know, I've been doing this thirty five <laughs> years uh, in movies and television, and and been in show business, and what I've learned is. It's really no different uh for anybody unless you're like, at, you know, in the $20 million club. Like you watch these documentaries about Beverly Hills 90210 and they were in the shittiest studio and they got the shittiest treatment and they didn't really have, you know, it's sort of, I guess what I'm saying is uh the, the most creative and talented people come out of adversity. It's not, it doesn't, oh, you don't, it's just because you're that good doesn't mean you start at the top. It comes out of that challenge. I wanted to say struggle, but I don't like the word struggle. I don't like that word. But it comes out of the challenge of being your best when things around you are not at their best. Hmm. I think, and what I, you know, one of the things I teach is life happens out of your comfort zone. That's what we do. we get people out of their comfort zone, and if you're way out of your comfort zone, you're still smiling. That's where huge growth takes place. So I think there's a similarity between those two things
0: that makes perfect sense to me what 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 I keep thinking as is that i still i'm thinking yeah, so all all the greats in some in some way probably came out of some sort of uh challenge yes, uh but at the same time. That was a great crew. I'm sure there are thousands of small little crews who are being challenged, who have been challenged over the past thirty years. Yeah, right. Who were not that crew. Right. Right. Because uh, unfortunately, just being challenged doesn't mean you you are going to rise above it and, be- no. and become.
1: No, it doesn't. There's no guarantees mm-hmm. in this business right. at all.
0: Uh, it- I just don't want in any way my reverence. For barons barracudas to be tempered. Uh, <laughs>
1: well, I can appreciate that, uh, but I lived it.
0: Yes, y- yes, you did. So now you were saying at at, at that time, where was it? Was it at it was the at tracks? cross currents? Cross currents. Yeah. And what is cross currents?
1: Uh, it was a bar on uh, Belmont and Clark, or just off Clark, and um, half of it, half of it was a bar, and the other half was a theater, which was mostly music uh, until we got there. And then, uh, somehow Sharna talked them into letting us use them for classes. And we did these shows and it was, you know, from her background with David Shepard, when she was, uh, that when it was improv Olympic, um, that was theater games. So she took that scoring system and applied it to the Heralds. And we would compete with The Improv Institute was our main competition back then. Right. So, and then we would win every week, you know, it was never doubt, any doubt because of what you just said. It was, it was just an amazing group of, you know, improvisers who just knocked it out of the park. We were so hungry and having so much fun doing it, but we had no idea. We were just doing it because we loved it. And it's about the passion of being in the moment and being truthful, real, and honest and everything you and I teach.
0: Yeah. Uh. I'm sorry. I'm more listening than thinking of what to say next. <laughs> that's uh, great. Well, no, no, no it, which is I know, love that. <coughs> well, I just, I, I again, I just, uh, I just love the idea of what was going on back then because I, I didn't get started. I love
1: you being at a loss for words. That's kind of <laughs> that's really fun. Uh, These people don't get to see that very
0: often. All right. <laughs> yeah. Cause, I didn't start till and to me I I don't consider I started improvising till I got to the improv olympic. So so I didn't really start till I was till it was like 91 I think.
1: That's right when I left. So we just missed each other. Oh, I moved right. out oh. here in 91. I right, just we're finished saying, uh, you you replaced
0: I, Farley on the main stage but then left and I think the the first main stage show I ever saw and this was before I started doing this was one of Farley's last shows.
1: Right. Yeah, that would have been probably around late
0: 90 i would imagine all right
1: or early because i i did i co started in a movie with damon wins called mo money and then i got wooed out here by managers and agents and stuff
0: all right now i i'm gonna skip ahead a bit because there's uh e- time yeah mm-hmm. well, well time and that that thing you started which i just think is so cool and such a great idea uh and the right thing and all that is you started a thing called new choice
1: yeah, it's a really cool program. I, I haven't been able to do it in the last uh, recently, but uh, I, I have a, a, I took a staff and we go into the inner city and we teach kids how to act, and then I bring in filmmakers. They teach the kids how to use a camera, and the kids shoot a documentary on themselves learning how to act. And you can go on uh, YouTube and put in Mark Beltzman, New Choice, and you'll see a like a there's a six minute version and a nine minute version of what we're doing, and well, what just- we did.
0: That's such a great idea. Cause I, I love, cause there's a big thing in, in, in the community in general about how to create more diversity yeah. in our, in our theaters. And one of the things I, I've always thought was, well, there's, it's one thing if I offer you an internship, but if you can't get here, like the real difference comes when you do what you're talking about, what you did, what mm-hmm. you do, which is go out into the field, you know, go there. Yeah. Uh, and bring it to them.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, it, it in my wife's uh uh m f t marriage and family counselor, and she's so she's a therapist and there's a lot of similarities between what we do as improvisers and what she does i can't tell you how many times i've had you know people cry in my class or get emotional because if you're you're asking them to be vulnerable and truthful and honest and very often when people get vulnerable in front of their family, they tear up, but let alone in front of a group of strangers. Right, And so that's how this thing started was I mentor this kid, um, Aaron Shaw. I still mentor him. He, he's, uh, it's been about 12, 13 years. He just had a kid of his own. But I would go to these mentoring, youth mentoring connection, if you're ever interested in mentoring a kid. It's a great organization. And uh, they asked, one day they had a meeting, and there's about maybe 80 people in the room. And they asked the kids... Uh, how many? How many of you know somebody who a friend of yours has gotten killed? And almost all of them raise their hands. They said, "Keep your hand up if you know two people." Half the room. How many of you three or more? And it was just like, and I, and my, it just broke my heart. And I'm like, right. "What can I do?" And I, it's like, if you say to kids, "Okay, after school we're going to have group therapy," nobody's going to show up. But these kids, they don't know the difference. Like, if you want to be a Hollywood star, go to this class, and they, they, you know they didn't come they were sent be out of punishment i was telling you out right. there these kids that you get are get out of thrown get thrown out of class four or five times a day you know so you bring you bring them into a room and encourage them to do what they just got thrown out of class for doing they can't figure it out for a while so it takes about two maybe even about about a month and all of a sudden you can't shut them up and they show up early and it's so exciting and you know, it's really, really uh, a way to give back to the community and you know help and create diversity in the world for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's such a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm inspired by hearing about it. Uh, cool. Uh, we we have plans to to try and do something like that. Uh, although I might just hook up with you.
1: Let me know. Uh, we'll, because we'll do it.
0: I just think that's such 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 a great idea. mm Hmm. Um, I'm, again, lost for words. Uh, so what else is going on, Mark? Uh, what's, what's going life on? Life is
1: good, man. You know, we're so fortunate to be able to do what we love for a living, and I get to do everything I love to do. I'm a musician. I play the tuba. I, you know, do movies and television and theater. I get to come here play and the improvise tuba. with you. I do. You play the tuba. Since I was a little kid,
0: yeah. I'm just curious w- what that choice is like.
1: Well, it's ch- like
0: Like when, when you, I'm going to play a, a, a musical instrument, It's going to be the tuba.
1: Well, it's not a choice. It finds you. You don't find it for sure. My, I have an older brother who went through three instruments and it was my turn. My parents said, we're not going through that again. And the guy who taught said, well, there's a sousaphone in back. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And so uh, that was fourth grade and I've been playing uh, about, you know, 40 some years. So.
0: Are you accomplished? Are you an accomplished tuba player? No, no, I don't practice. Are you
1: kidding me? It's like improv. I just fucking just show up and do it. <laughs> uh, I do uh I do play in an orchestra once a month for a show called Mortified and I uh get to, you know, do some recordings once in a while. I have my own show called Tuba Czar. I am the Czar of the tuba. <laughs> C-Z-A-R, and I invite other artists to come play their music, and uh, uh, they just have to write me a tuba part. So I did it, (laughs) last time I did it was right next door at Oh My Ribs, and I had Lawrence Juber, who was lead guitarist for Paul McCartney and Wings, and I get some amazing artists all around L.A. who come Cynthia Carl and Gary Stockdale. Who's doing bumper sticker the musical? A couple doors down here right now. Right. Uh, so it's just it's just a lot of fun. It's a way for me to keep my chops up. And but no, I'm I'm not accomplished. I'm I'm mediocre at best. But I, I love to play.
0: I love the idea of having some professional band or m- musician come in. Like I'm gonna play. I mean, you're gonna play your music. But there's gonna be some tube in it. <laughs> yeah. You gotta put some tuba in the background.
1: Well, people don't realize that you can actually play a melody on tuba. Everybody thinks it's oompa, oompa, and it is, and it's great. But you know, I can play over the rainbow and blow everybody's mind, and I love doing that. I I start every show with playing over the rainbow because nobody they're like, What the fuck is <laughs> they don't put two and two together. So it can it's very versatile to say the least.
0: It's definitely a, a surprise instrument, I would say. Yeah. In my mind. And to me, it's like, I'm not bad mouthing tuba or tuba players. No, no, i hear But to you. me, I was always like, with that big ass fucking horn. I just like the idea of showing, like, I, I think back to, like, the, you know, there's always the guy at a party with a fucking guitar who started yeah. playing his goddamn guitar. Uh, That's
1: Lawrence Schuber. He does every <laughs> party I go to, he's playing guitar.
0: I love the idea of a guy just showing up with an enormous fucking tuba case. <laughs> I was going to pull this out, but play a little tuba for the really party. you're
1: really fucking ballsy, you can do it. <laughs> I do well I have a 104-year-old tuba I had restored so that's kind of a novelty as well Is it is like a
0: cool. like a famous tuba or something It or is maybe?
1: it's one of the yeah it's it's called a, a J W Yorkinsons and the Germans started copying this tube in the 1920s mine was made in 1912 and it was handmade it was all pounded out by hand and the guy who restored it showed me the inside you could still see the hammer marks all inside of it
0: You're making me like tuba Yeah <laughs> kind of cool. That just sounds like a really cool tuba you well, got. Well, we can do it here. Anytime. I, I'll do tubas are right here, man. Had, had I known that you had this this famous tuba... I have
1: two tubas. I can give you lessons.
0: I'm going <laughs> to... For the moment, I'm going to pass on tuba lessons. <laughs> but I do want... At some point, we're, I, I want to see this this famous tuba you got down here. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am... There's There's so much that Mark... Could talk about i'm gonna open it up just a a little early to to any questions of anyone else i mean this uh yeah any any questions out out there at all sure what was the most important improv lesson you ever learned and what was the hardest one to get
1: the most important improv lesson to get is to listen because you're always you got that inner voice that's always going and usually you're trying to think of your next move or thinking of how to respond while they're talking so that's really the hardest thing to do is it's sort of like meditation. If you can learn to quiet your mind and listen, because acting is reacting and you can't react unless you're really in the moment. That's what improv is all about. Being truthful, honest, and real allow being in the moment allows you to be truthful, honest, and real. Otherwise you're writing or directing. And so that's probably the most, uh, the challenging thing to learn as an improviser it's probably also the hardest i could just go with that as well it's it's one of the most difficult things to do to sh- shut down your mind and totally give yourself 100% to your partner and make them look good which makes you look twice as good
0: i was actually thinking that as you were speaking i was like cause you you were you you started by saying well here's the the hardest one and as you were saying i'm like well that's also like the most important one <laughs> uh but i i i it i I would agree. Yeah, the hardest thing is to basically. To, it it sounds so insulting. I always say it in class. I know what it sounds like to have someone tell you to. You have to learn how to listen because like, I have ears. Fuck you. Yeah. Three hundred bucks. This is bullshit. Right. Uh, but it's like no, no, no. It's actually, it's actually a skill that you have to practice and work at. Yeah. Well, uh, there's
1: a, there's a, there's a. Have you ever heard of the Landmark Forum? You know, Landmark Education. It's like a self realization seminar. No. It it, it really it, it it changed my life. I did it many years ago. I don't really sell it much, but in that they the, one of the first things they say is, "You you've never listened. You never have. You never
0: will." All right. Well, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I've never listened. I never had. Never will. There you go. Why'd I come? <laughs> uh, I assume that they did something after that. that like They did. All yeah, right. Yeah. Guess, otherwise, you show up and say that. Uh, it's like a big, fuck you. Thanks for your money. <laughs> By the way, you never listen, you never have, you never will. There's your answer. I'm out of here. That was out
1: of context. But yes, it, they do a little bit more than
0: that. All right. A- anything else out there? Yes. Um, so you've seen lots of changes uh, in both comedy and improv.
2: Um, what changes have you seen that you aren't a fan of, are there things that you kind of wish you can go back to from back when you both uh, first started doing that? Go ahead. Back in my day. Back in we, my day. Oh, we're talking about we then? 65 years yeah, between was, us and you. That's in the way
0: back.
1: Uh, it's probably the advent of the internet because it's, uh, it shortens everybody's attention span. When we started doing Heralds, they were a minimum of 45 minutes. Now everything twenty-two minutes. You start looking for the out, and that's also because of the success of stand-up comedy in the '90s. And you know, everything wants everything. Everybody wants fast and funny. And now everybody's attached to their cell phones. So it's it's sort of uh, you know. it do sound like my parents. You know, we uh, we didn't have those. We didn't have bottled water or cell phones. And uh, but it, it's changed comedy a lot. I think a whole lot. And not necessarily for the better, but we're all starting to, I think, incorporate it more in what we do, Um, and uh, it's kind of fun to find those moments where you can reinvent yourself because of the technology instead of, you know, just poo-pooing it or or bitching about it.
0: Yeah. It makes me think about how I liked how back when I was going through it, Mm -hmm. so to speak, uh, you know, it, it was... It was dirty. It took place in dirty rooms, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Comedy with the, as you say, with the Internet. And, you know, some guy puts up a fucking video that gets 20 billion hits or something. And now, you know, he's rich and he owns a corporate building somewhere where he puts out more bullshit. Uh, True. (laughs) 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 Motherfuckers. Yeah, but it's, it's just like it's like they took what was sort of, you know, pure. Well, yeah, pure, but you know, I, I think of like Lenny Bruce kind of a feel. Like they they, they they took something that was really wanted to say something, really wanted you know to 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 express itself artistically. Yeah, uh, and they turned it into a fucking meme. Um,
1: yeah, well, I mean, you had to be in the room back in those days. You, you really had to be in there, and and you know, a, another one of the things I teach is is um, you know Aristotle says the poet cannot impact on others who he himself is not impacted on and so that's what we as improvisers and actors want to do we want to be impacted on so that we can impact on our audience and the internet in some it takes that away in 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 some form where you don't necessarily have to be here in the theater in order to get it whatever it is cuz you can find it by googling it
0: well i think it's what you said Initially is very. I mean, just it shortens the attention span. Yeah. Now there's a lot of very accomplished, funny things. Absolutely. On, on the internet, unfortunately, there are like thousands more that are just fucking garbage. Uh, but you know, it, it becomes a different. It's it's no longer. Hey, get on stage and make it fucking work, and maybe you'll get five minutes next week. Yeah. Right. Maybe you'll come back. It's a harder road. It's a different road as opposed to. I, I imagine you know the road of an internet sort of meme artist. You know, could. Could begin and end in his fucking mother's basement, uh, with him never leaving or seeing anything, just punching around the internet. It's true uh, un- until they find enough shit to combine to turn into something else that's good for five seconds and a billion hits. I overestimate. It. It's like no time, and it's always a billion hits. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if anything's gotten a billion hits. Uh, has anything, Does anyone know? that something gotten a billion hits? Yeah.
1: Kardashians. That's oh, about it.
0: You know, I, I, oh fuck that. Uh, <laughs> that I, I we should not even I should ban that word from the show. Uh, just do not mention them. Give them nothing. Uh, you asked because they're about to get a huge bump from this podcast. <laughs> they've been getting no. They've been getting no action out there, but now they're about to hear their name mentioned on this. Maybe podcast. Maybe they'll tweet about us. <laughs> uh, it does.
1: You Did you just look that up? Fuck you!
0: Then you're supposed
2: and- to be paying attention to this. We just got done talking about it. You got to be in the room. Be in the moment. Uh- Jesus Christ! They're not listening. They're on their phones.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll take one more question. Anything?
1: No, I mean, we didn't know we were in the boom when we were in the boom, so you couldn't possibly know, and we can't give you any advice because it's innocuous. You just don't know what's happening. All you can do is, you know, be impacted on. If you're being impacted on, then you're in your own boom, and that's all you need to worry about.
0: Yeah, because it didn't occur to me to to refer to the time I was there as sort of like, you know, the golden age of improv or something until much, when I was way past it. Yeah, me too. Uh, Yes, is, I, is, yeah. what's interesting to me is the idea is like, can you be aware of that you're in a very good time? Well, it's something? sort of
1: like, well, I always say, you know, there's, I, I love to get high, I, I admit it. And, <laughs> and, and there's no greater drug in the world to me than improvisation. But it's sort of like, it's like, you know, when, when do you know you've done too much heroin only after you've done too much heroin. And it's maybe, maybe too late, maybe not. But there's no way to predict it because right. of your tolerance or your day or whatever. And, I, I mean, I, I don't do heroin. I did it once in my life, and I knew it would kill me if I ever did. But, uh, I mean, it's a great example of, like, how can you tell when you're too high? You you can't until you've imbibed way too much. It's,
0: I can tell when I'm too high. Well, yeah. It's the second after I take a <laughs> any sort of puff of weed.
2: That's, a, that's one of those drugs I could
0: just never, ever handle. Uh, it was actually, I'm, I'm not sure if I, I might have told this story, or I'll, I'll tell it again. Fine, I'm repeating myself, because I'm 50 years old. Wow. Uh, I, I tried, I got a, a card, a marijuana card, so I could buy marijuana, because I thought it might help me sleep, mm-hmm. right? Because I have trouble sleeping. Uh, and I, I, I buy, I go to the weed store, and I buy some weed, uh, and some girl helps me because I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just like, look, just give me some weed. And she gave me some, jo- some joints. And I go home.
1: Sativa. Are
0: they, are they not called joints? Yeah. Okay, everyone laughed. Like yeah. She gave me some joints. Uh, uh, it's a spleave, man. So uh, I, I, you know, I go home. I'm thinking, all right, well. And, and you know, I've tried weed a handful of times, maybe 10 or so in my life, across my life. Always thinking, maybe this time. Right? But I hadn't tried it in no, no, 20, I probably since fr- probably at least 20 years, right? Uh, and so I'm like, all right, well, if, if I'm going to go to sleep, I better get this stuff in me. Uh, so I take a joint and basically smoke it like it's a cigarette and it's cold outside. <laughs> uh, I smoke this joint in two drags. I'm halfway down this thing. And I'm taking them full in and holding them in. Uh, and so I, I do half the joint and two drags and then I put it out, stand up and manage to walk upstairs into my house and tell my wife that I'm going to lay down and that I, I might be in trouble. <laughs> uh, and I went and I laid down and I was just, you know, I immediately, I'm terrified. It's, it's what happens to me. I'm paranoid, terrified yeah. of everything. Yeah. I'm paranoid. I'm laying there in bed f- f- afraid that I'm going to forget how to breathe. Uh, just occasionally opening my eyes to yes I'm still in my bedroom uh, everything's okay everything's gonna be okay as long as I remember to breathe oh shit am I gonna forget how to breathe uh, so yeah that's weed for me yeah uh, oh, well it's also I'm sure if I had just taken like a tiny little although I haven't tried again since because again I was like fuck this shit so so I've got a bunch of fucking weed joints uh, <laughs> back at my house that will probably never ever be smoked uh,
1: what's your address <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I should just fucking hand them out here. Uh, <laughs> all right.
1: We should get really high before the set.
0: That would, you would, I would be standing here doing nothing for the entire set <laughs> and just terrified out of my mind. Oh, that reminds us. We did a set. I don't know whose idea it was, uh, but the, the family did, decided to, do a, a, a herald one night with everyone booming. Uh-huh. Uh, so we all took shrooms and it was, it was a bad idea. Just don't. Be, to me, shrooms were always fun. Yeah. But it was just five idiots, or you know, six, there was six idiots, just laughing and giggling for 20 minutes. Uh, like, <laughs> which, well, that's which, a, which
1: you did. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's how they came up with that scene, Whale Boy, that Farley did in the sh- first show you saw at Second City. Was they all went to, Joyce Sloan had a cabin in in, in Lake Michigan, in Michigan, and uh, they all went and got stoned and were writing the show and tripping their brains out and they came up when Farley started taking his shirt off and running and sliding on the ice on the frozen lake and that's where that scene was born out of
0: oh god I'm just, I'm just that just makes me think he's right there it's like a frozen lake with Farley sliding out onto it I'm just thinking the ice is gonna crack he's gonna fucking die uh no no, Farley was amazing. I remember him coming up to me at the bar once, and he goes,
1: I took seven
2: hits of acid. I told everybody else I only took three. <laughs>
0: uh. All right, so I think we would, can fairly say that you know drugs are a good thing.
1: Well, and we according should, to Dell, for sure.
0: Yes. All right, for legal purposes, I, I, I have to say don't do drugs. Do not
1: do drugs.
0: Right, except that they're a really, really great way. Unless you way. can tolerate them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm good there. Let's do our all set. Right, let's do it. Uh, what's gonna happen is me and Mark are gonna do about twenty-five minutes of long-form improvisation for you, and all we need to get us started is a suggestion of anything at all. Kiss. Kids. Kiss. 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 That was
1: weird. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's tongue just about touched me. He was standing. Like far as you are for me.
0: Yeah, you were you were into that. <laughs> Hell yeah. You okay. bet it was. I'm cool with that. I'm that weird you out. Yeah, it did weird me out. That was I was I was getting ready to be like, alright, I if you need me, I can I, I got you back because this guy's being pretty aggressive. Well
2: thanks man. I appreciate you being there. I appreciate you going. So,
0: so you're gay? Yeah. I didn't know! It. I'm fine
1: with that. I'm sorry. I don't know. I've
0: known you forever. How long? I mean, what, why didn't you tell me? I'm, I, I thought I was like looking... well, a. I don't announce
2: it to people. It's not like I would give a tattoo on my forehead saying, hey, blow me. Hey, alright. <laughs> <laughs> That's just weird, man. You don't go
1: wrong talking about your sexuality, it's just who you are. I haven't exactly come out to everybody, all right? Maybe I'm just a little twitchy all, about it. All so right. Like,
2: I'll take responsibility.
0: All right. I should have told you you're right. Actually, what you just said makes me think you probably shouldn't have told me. Well.
1: It's
0: not, it's not my business. You shouldn't have to tell me about your sexuality because there's nothing to do with you. Right? Which means... I don't. I didn't tell. I don't tell you that I'm straight. Are you sure? All right, don't do that. <laughs> That's. Don't you start thinking about that. it. What? Yeah, everyone has thought about it. Everyone <laughs> thinks. Everyone has that thought. Well, you've never acted on. No, I've never acted on. All right, fair enough. You can't help but have the thought.
2: Right.
1: All
0: right. So I love you, man.
1: Just want you to know that.
0: All right, that's a new thing. You, we don't normally say we love each other. We're well, we like, don't
1: normally talk about me being gay either.
0: All right, but I'm just saying. It's, it now it seems like we're changing. I mean, this shouldn't change us. I didn't. Not tell, nothing changed about me. I just said the word love. Yeah, that's new. We've never, we've never used that so word. So why
1: did that change you? That's
2: just weird to me. That changes the way. It's we human can. behavior. People love one another. As human beings, we just want to be loved. Yes?
0: All right, again, hearing what you're saying, that (laughs) makes a lot of sense. And I shouldn't be afraid of someone saying they love me or recognizing the fact that I probably love them back and just don't choose to say that.
1: Okay. fine.
0: Got it. Got it. Are all gay people this right? (laughs) (laughs) Make that right? Yeah. I thought I had really solid ground to stand on twice and you just knocked it out from under me twice. <laughs> that's why they call it gay rights.
2: <laughs> I don't
0: think that's why they call it gay rights. I think it's funny. Oh, you were just being funny. I was. All right.
2: just trying to break the
1: ice here, man.
2: It's like, let's just go back all to right. where
0: we were. Yeah, let's have all right. Two more. I got this. First time you bought in a long time.
1: Appreciate that. Well, what's what's that? said I, I said cheap. I don't buy. I didn't use the word cheap. I insinuated it.
2: <laughs>
1: that's the same, but yeah, that's the same thing. It's like you're basically
2: See, saying it. Look, this is really fucked up, man. You. You get weird out because I'm gay now you're getting weird out because I say it's the first time you bought a drink in a while that's Are you a... just looking to like to push buttons and have a fight is that the deal you're you right. just want to be you're nice? right
0: you're right you're right I'm doing that you're right I'm
2: how wrong do you want to be tonight <laughs> <laughs> like how wrong can you
0: get I don't know I'm wrong I'm wrong again you were just saying something casually and probably meant more as far as you know, in friendship.
1: Let's put it this way. If I would have said 10 minutes ago, that's the first time you bought a drink in a while, I'd probably like, yeah, I, I got a check today, or I had some extra cash. All right, yeah. Like, whatever. And now all of a sudden it's like we're like walking on eggshells and treading water, and it's just weird. It's like, what the fuck, man? You find out one fact about me that has absolutely nothing to
2: do with you, and it changes your opinion of how we behave towards each other. I don't understand. <laughs> What are, you, what are you doing to me? <laughs> I, was, I was
0: trying to have a drink in the bar with my friend. Okay, so let's Make just Make all weird. All right.
1: You, you used to be this right all the time. You're right. Sucking cock made me right. Cheers. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that's true. This and I'm going to stand by
0: that one. one. Okay. I don't think sucking cock... Makes you right about things. Do I get that one? Do I get to keep that one? Yes.
2: You're right. Right.
1: I've never seen you this quiet.
0: I, I don't know what to, uh. You're just like. Totally weirded out, Is is it still cool to talk about, you know, sports? (laughs) The fuck, man? (laughs) What What is it? I don't know. I'm just trying to make sure it's still cool to talk about sports. We used to talk a lot about sports. Maybe we should (laughs) talk about dresses. See, I don't know. Yeah, color
2: looks looks great on you. Just wow! You're, can I mess up your hair? No, it's just so perfect.
0: No, do not mess up my hair. <laughs> you know how I am about my hair. Uh,
2: no, that's why I just—can I run my hands through it?
0: No. What? What? Wait. Why is getting weird now? No, it's not. Are you saying we can't talk about sports? No, I'm saying we can talk about sports. I was making
1: a point. We don't have to change. Nothing has to change. Nothing
2: changes. We're still the same two fucking friends we've been for the last 15 years, man.
0: All right, the 96 Bulls would beat this year's Cavs. Uh, Not the Cavs, the Golden State. Golden State, well... They'd beat the Cavs, too. (laughs) They could
1: beat the Cavs. They'd beat
0: fucking everybody. I think Golden State's going to win everything tomorrow. In In Cleveland? In Cleveland. I think they're going to kick their ass. On the road. But aren't you excited for the Cleveland might pull it off and go to a game seven?
1: Well... Yeah, game sevens are always exciting. They are. I guarantee you. There's nothing like a game where there's something at stake. I'll watch the finals of anything, man. But no, you know,
2: I mean, James is great, but I don't think he's going to pull this
0: one up. Wait, wait. Uh, I dropped my (laughs) beer.
2: What the... What the fuck just happened? You just tried to Kiss me! No, you're not You didn't even. You lured me in with sports! I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I get a towel. I'll get it. Just give me a towel. Dude.
1: I
2: do know what's going on, dude. I do. I know exactly what's going on. With your own sexuality, man. Well, really? We still talk about sports. Sorry. Man. We still talk about a man. We still be guys. He's looking for. I don't talk like that, guys. I don't talk like
0: that, hey, Amen. Stop saying that. Talk. I don't talk like that, <laughs> dude. shut it. No!
1: Look, you're not my type. I'm gonna tell you right now. What do you what? You
0: are not what do you mean? my type. <laughs> You're too old. Too old? Yeah. Too old? Yes. I'm not too old.
2: For me. For my taste. No, you want to
0: hit this. (laughs) Yeah, come on. Come on. Admit it. Admit it. Now it's getting
2: weird.
0: (laughs) No, it's weird. It's just saying I'm too old for you. For me.
2: That's it. Doesn't oh, mean you're too oh, old for oh, the world. Oh, I'm you not... can find somebody who is of my age or older oh, that would be more your type. I am not that guy.
0: Okay, so I, I'm I'm not too old to be your friend. Right. Right? I'm not too old to hang out with you all the time. That's right. We, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm too old for anything else. Yes. That's bullshit. <laughs> that is... So be it. You are an ageist. You're one of the... Oh, so I, I, to I saw, me? I, saw, I told you about some some pretty young thing. You had nothing in common with.
1: Uh, let me just put it this way. To me, you are like a 400-pound black woman.
2: <laughs>
1: what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> just what
2: I mean. That's what it means. To me. I'm not attracted to you. That's all I'm saying. But I'm not
0: a 400-pound black woman. No,
2: but that's what you are to me.
0: That is... Why would you think I was a 400 pound black Because
2: woman? you are the equivalent of that of something I am not attracted to. Now don't get offended by it. It's not... I
0: think it's a mean thing to say. Fine. Fuck you.
2: How's that? Like that? You old motherfucker. I don't want anything to do with your shriveled up balls. Oh. How about that? <laughs> oh, now you're going to start with the crying again, huh?
0: I hate, I hate
2: you. Great. Finally, you're being honest for the first time in 15 years. You're saying something you really feel. (coughs) Get in touch with your feelings, Bob. Come on.
0: I don't think think you're gay. Really? Yeah, I don't think you're gay. I think you're just fucking with me. I'm I'm good looking. If you were gay, you, you want to be with me. That's why you didn't kiss that guy who tried to kiss you. to do. inside
1: That's good. to get rid of the toxins it's like a sauna
0: only it's outside I feel like I'm dying it's like dehydrated my mouth feels there's no, there's no liquid in it come on let's go inside
1: your house isn't that fucked up Just let's go inside oh man I don't want you seeing inside there come on man. it's like 110 out here sick. It's going up all over
0: the place. Oh, Oh, Jesus. Alright. Alright. Seriously, let's go inside. I don't care how fucked up your place is, alright? I'm dying out here. I can't believe I had water this whole fucking time. Come on, just open the screen door, man. Pull it back. Let's just go inside. How bad can it be? How bad can it please fucking be, man?
2: All right, I'll show you. Fuck it. Come on. We'll come Thank God. Oh. Fuck. Ah. 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 My water. Oh, <laughs> I told you you're gonna throw. me. I'm not going in, in, in there. come in. Nah, no, not coming. Let's go outside. I sleep in here. I don't live in here. <laughs> oh, let's go
0: outside. Let's go outside. No. You asked to come in. Hey, we're in. Fine. I'm sorry. We're in. Let's go outside.
2: Jeez, man. Oh. I to tell you. Oh. Oh, fuck. The, oh. You gotta keep the flies out.
0: <laughs> Something's dead in there. <laughs> something's dead in there. You think it's, but you got a hoarder, right? It should be more apparent what's dead in there. It's just
1: a... I called that show Hoarders. Wait, they came wait, 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 wait. They came over, looked at my place, and left. Oh,
0: You, <laughs> you mean you called, you called them up on the phone? Yeah. I thought you meant like, I called it. No. I called that show.
2: I I didn't like, know what's the call? Yeah, that lady's a hoarder.
0: <laughs> so I called it. Call it every week. No, 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 no,
2: no. That lady's gonna be a hoarder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, I'm I'm sorry you're having to live like this. Alright, I really am. I feel bad. No. That no, that's that's monstrous. That is that is I, I threw up. It just happened. I threw up inside your house and I didn't clean it up. Nobody noticed. <laughs>
1: I tried to warn you. I didn't want you feeling sorry for me, man.
2: That's
1: why I don't let you- I got talk. a room
0: over my garage, man. I got a room over the garage. I got a room over the garage in my house. Can't bring my stuff? No, no, you can't bring any of that. You're a sick, that's I, a I, I thought that wasn't yours. I thought that was like here, left behind by someone. That's some sick shit in there. That's, that's you?
1: I let you into my world, man. I let you see inside my world. And so all you can say is criticize it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you got got like some dead animal in there, at least one, just based on the flies alone, right? I just puked in there, and it didn't change the smell of the room at all. (laughs) Just
1: some cool posters.
0: There were some cool posters. All right. I'll, there were some cool posters. I'll give you that. All right. Who doesn't love, you know, you know, who doesn't love metal? It's always a good poster, a good metal poster. Great. Fine. Yeah. You can bring the metal posters. All right. But leave the rest of that sick shit in there. I don't mind
1: living. Sometimes I feel like I deserve it. You don't deserve it. I do. You don't deserve it. You don't. I do,
2: man. It, it wasn't your fault. What? It wasn't your fault. Fuck you, man. It wasn't your fault. Fuck you. It wasn't your fault.
0: <laughs> it wasn't your fault. Fuck you. It wasn't your fault.
2: Fuck you, man. It wasn't your Stop. fault. <laughs> Stop it. It wasn't your fault. Stop it! <laughs>
1: Goodwill hunting. <laughs> <laughs> I thought
0: I'd try. I thought I'd try. Nice it wor- try. It worked
2: in the movie, except in the movie. Except
0: in the movie, it wasn't that kid's fault. Yes, this, this is your fault. I mean, you killed your wife. You killed your wife in a car But What?
1: That's, that's what smells in there.
0: No, we, we, no, we buried your wife. Did, did you dig up all, your did. fucking wife? <laughs>
1: Keep something as a memento.
0: <laughs> I don't want to know because that's sick. And, to, like, one, we buried her. So not you, all of her. So, prior to her being buried, you cut something off your wife to keep. I'm not going to
1: go into the details. I'm just going to say, didn't bury all of her. Yeah. If I tell you exactly what it is, I'd have to
0: kill you. I, no, I, mean, I don't think, I don't think there's a thing, or if you cut something, I can list all the body parts, right? I can list all the organs. Go. Right? All right. You, you got your arms, your legs, your feet, your hands, your head, your torso, right? Your ass, that pretty much covers your body parts. Right? Your body, all right. Now, inside, you got your heart, your lungs, your stomach, your small intestines, your big intestines, your pancreas, <laughs> your gallbladder, your liver, your <laughs> kidneys, your testes, uh, your heart. Did I say heart already. What? No. You finally said it. I'm just pretty. I'm just making sure, uh, your your appendix. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got them all. Think I got. I think I got, them. I think I got them all of What you cut her heart out? Yeah. What now? You gonna kill me? You told me you cut her heart out. That's what you said. You said, I told you you have to kill him. Oh. And I'm going to leave then. <laughs> <laughs> you plan on killing me because I don't want to spend the rest of my fucking eternity <laughs> in that fucking room stinking it up with your d- dead wife's heart. <laughs> it was your fault. <laughs> you, you killed the shit out of her, all right? You got drunk and drove your car into that, oh, you crashed into that room. You drove up onto the patio, crashed into that room. That's why you don't fix that room. Oh, oh, I got it. Oh, I nailed it. Oh, oh, I called it. I called what it is. I called every level which you fucked up. I'll do a fucking keg stand a cock. <laughs> a keg stand? I don't know. <laughs> and then it's chugged and you do a fucking kegger. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna... to... Oh, you're
2: mixing drinking with cock sucking. That's what... Different chug- things. What do
0: you think chugging is?
2: Chugging is something you, you chug a beer. There are different meanings for words, you know.
0: What? Yeah. What the yeah. fuck? What... So fine, i, I, I invented I'm a new one. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a uh I'm gonna sh- shotgun some cock. <laughs> there you go.
2: Right off party on, dude. A, and a,
0: and a... pop a hole in his ass
2: and chug that fucking load. I'm shotgunning cock tonight. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm sorry I ran out earlier. That was, uh... I'm... I'm probably not gay. It's okay. (laughs) I've been fucking up being gay all day.
1: It's alright, man. We all make mistakes. Sometimes we think we want things that we don't really want. And there's things we want that we never get and never have.
0: Hey, Today's one of those days for you. <laughs> That's fucking perfect. You're just, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're definitely the gay one. That's our show.
2: Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>